0: This is Limit Up, the place where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology to take your trading to the next level.
1: Hey, traders, this is Eddie Horn from Top Step Trader, and this is Limit Up. This is where we talk with traders, market participants, and trading psychologists to help you improve your trading. I'm joined here today with John, a.k.a. the Hoag, Hoagland, uh, a good friend of mine and senior performance coach here at Top Step Trader. Hoag, how you doing? I'm doing well, Eddie. How about yourself? I'm pretty good. Thanks for asking. Hoag, we got a awesome lineup for the podcast this month. Uh, we've had a few market wizards, a prominent trader uh, in the past we've had on. Uh, but I'm going to tell you right now, nothing like we've got here in August. And uh, we're going to be kick-starting things today with Larry Benedict, a name you will recognize from Chapter 3 of the Hedge Fund Market Wizards. Uh, Larry's verified track record is nothing short of amazing.
2: Yeah, definitely, Eddie. But, you know, as we know, uh, almost all traders don't start out that way. You know, in his Chapter called Beyond Three Strikes because of the number of times that he failed before he succeeded. So I think it's important to recognize, like any profession or high-performance sport, you don't make it in trading overnight.
1: You see the best of the best failing the worst they can fail.
2: Absolutely, and, you know, we've said it before, it takes 10, 15 years to become an overnight sensation, right?
1: Well, hopefully, you know, in, in sports, it doesn't take that long. Right. <laughs> you be like, wait a minute, I'm sick of the bet But no, you know, actually, if you think about it technically, a baseball player, you know, starting off in Little League. I mean, it's probably more years than that. Absolutely, absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it is something that you have to be passionate about, and you have to work every day towards getting to where you want to go
1: right Uh, you just don't sort of walk on the uh nba draft and say you know i want to be a starting five Uh, no 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 you've you've played basketball grade school middle school high school college so um it all adds up yes it does all right now before we start here i want to mention that larry just launched a new venture Uh, It's a trading room where Larry and other prominent traders discuss trade ideas and talk about markets called opportunistic trader. And I talked to Larry about this. He's very excited about it. So we were able to negotiate a discount for any Limit Up listener to check it out. To do that, go to topsteptrader.com slash Larry, L-A-R-R-Y. If you think it's going to help your trading, use the promo code top step for 100 bucks off your first month yes 100 dollars off your first month now i want to mention this isn't any sort of sponsorship for us so uh, we didn't get anything out of it if you decide to join but we thought it was a resource that our audience might find valuable hoag you ready ready all right so without any further ado here's my conversation with trader and market wizard larry benedict <laughs> Today, it's my honor to continue our third conversation with one of Jack Schwager's market wizards, Larry Benedict. Now, Larry is unique and uh, his chapter in the hedge fund market wizards. it, It talks a lot about struggles getting started. And gosh, if you're a trader, you know what that's all about now. That's why we're so interested to have Larry on. Instead of letting those struggles define him, Larry let those setbacks shape him into a successful trader. Now, Larry's latest venture, the opportunistic trader. Now, this is set to launch in the coming weeks. It's his attempt to uh, democratize everything that he's learned along the way and help give everyday traders back an edge. Larry, is awesome to have you on here with us.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Now, one more piece of background. Uh, In the writing the book, 2012, uh, Jack Schwager talked about your 20-year profitable run at Spear Leads. During the run, uh, you had from 2004 to 2012, your fund returned an average of 11.5 net of fees with just a 5% drawdown. Now, for you out there listening, folks, If that doesn't sound impressive, now remember, if you remember, uh, remember that the broad market fell 50% plus in 2000 and 2008. And honestly, all I can say is, gosh, holy cow, um, wow. That's amazing, Larry.
0: Thank you again.
1: Now, Larry, um, we'll get into some of these struggles you had earlier in your career in a minute, but uh, if it's okay, I want to dig into that defining moment. The moment when enough was enough and all the work you were putting in started to pay off. A lot of us you know, spinning our wheels, Larry, um, wondering, is this for me? Take us back and uh, tell us how you got started.
0: I started in the business in 1984 on the floor of the CBOA, uh, Chicago Board Options Exchange. And I was a clerk for a very large trader in the OEX index, which was uh, an index of, of stocks that's probably the most active, uh, at that point before the S&P 500 was introduced, was the most active uh, equity index traded. And uh, I learned I learned the business from the, the ground up. Um, I I. Clerked for a gentleman for about a year, got a little bit of experience, thought I knew really what was going on, and I took uh, money that was saved for me, uh, for my family, about $20,000, and entered uh, into the pit and uh, tried to trade it. Uh, I was struggling a bit. And what was funny about it was that a guy who was one of my closest friends, a guy named Andy Allen at the time, was a pretty successful trader early on and I used to call my parents and I was struggling and I said, you know, what, you know, this is too hard, what should I do? So my mother said to me, she said, well, why don't you just do everything Andy's doing because he's making money. Well, it sounded easier (laughs) than it really was because, When he was buying I was too late in buying and he was selling and I couldn't sell fast enough so the you know the struggle was the onset of the struggle and you know figuring it out and figuring out the landscape and really uh, bounced around for a number of years traded through my money at the early onset and uh, struggled for two three years Um, but Really was working very hard. Was doing a lot of analysis. Was trying to figure out what was working, what wasn't working, and uh, really the homework that I did helped me, you know, to get past the point of, you know, thinking that I couldn't make it. And one of one of the defining moments, and I always talk about this, was um, the first day I made a thousand dollars. Uh, and that happened, I think in about 86 and it was, it's funny, people always ask me like, what, what's your most memorable trade and what's the biggest trade? And really that was the most important trade to me because it actually gave me the confidence to realize that I was able to be successful in the business mm-hmm, and right. make a thousand dollars, which, you know, doesn't seem like a lot um to what ended up happening in my career, but that was sort of the defining the defining moment. You know, from there it uh you know it it sort of became a business, you know, through the late 80s, pretty much traded my own money, did okay, and then, you know, in nineteen eighty nine I went to a firm called Spear Leads and Kellogg, which was the largest specialist firm on the floor of uh the New York Stock Exchange and other uh, other uh, exchanges, and uh, develop my career from there.
1: Now, you you took a lot of pounding, right? Um, it, it took yes. You, it, <laughs> it, it, it took you a lot to realize what you needed to do. Now, being young, you know we're versatile. We can take a few few bumps here and there. What did you think? Uh, and could. Uh, uh, why did you think, I should say, why did you think you could become a great trader? I mean, was it because of your friend or uh, I know making this thousand at a young age in a day uh, on the trading floor? Why did you think you could do this?
0: Well, you know, it, 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 it's interesting. Um, you know, it's a little sidestep, but I, always, I managed hundreds of traders in my career. And I always ask the question to myself what is the makeup of a great trader or not even a great trader but a trader that could make money and really you know it all comes down to a couple of things and one is you know the most important thing is discipline okay and knowing that you could make a lot of trades so you know really I think what the struggle was was a struggle with understanding discipline understanding you know that the trade that I was making didn't have to define me and it was not the last trade I was going to make and understanding that, you know, there'll be other opportunities if this opportunity didn't work or this trade didn't work. And once I once I got past the fact that, you know, this trade didn't have to be the only trade and Accepting losses would be another thing that I think is important for new traders and traders in the industry to understand a lot of the problem that I've seen over the years in looking at numbers of traders is is basically the point of finality or getting out of a losing trade. That's, you know, something that I struggled with early on and sort of got past. And another thing that I think is, you know, really important and is a makeup of what I think is a you know a very good trader is somebody that is very aggressive um, that can pull the trigger and you know which is also a very hard part of trading that I've noticed over the years is you know getting the confidence to make the trade after you see it you know so those things I think are important
1: see you're you're hitting a lot here about uh, pulling the trigger and accepting losses. Yeah. Just knowing a lot of traders, Larry, accepting that loss when you, when you get into the business, it, that's probably one of the hardest things to swallow is accepting a loss. But like you said, you know, it it took time. You did your homework. Uh, you paid the price. You started to see light at the end of the tunnel and said, Hey, you know what? Um, tomorrow's another day. And one thing I learned from being on the trading floor is there's no in basket, there's no out basket. Um you know, you had an error the day before. Well, you know what? It's a new day today. Don't worry about tomorrow. If you had a losing day, don't worry about tomorrow. You had a winning day. You know what? It's a new day. You had a winning day yesterday, but it's a new day. Let's see what you can do today. And you, you put all this together and it really helped me because you know, Larry, I think uh when we were sort of educated on the trading floor, yeah, you know, there was no psychologists. There was no classes. There was no educators. There, there was mentors, you know. There was uh, friends that would sort of, uh, you know, put us under their wing and say, hey, this needs to be done this way. you got to watch for this. This has to go that way. And I think that really helped a lot of us out back at that time. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Now, let me ask you. Um, about, uh, the, uh, importance of, you're talking about discipline management. P- again, I'm going to add patience in there. Uh, I know that you are huge on management. Uh, one thing I like to tell people is, Hey, manage yourself and manage your account. That's if you can, if you can handle that, that you're, you're going to be walking a straight path. Management is just so important. Tell us about management.
0: Along with discipline, which probably coincides with management, it's it's probably the most critical thing in in trading. And you've gotta you know you've gotta enter a trade knowing what you're gonna make, not not really as much knowing what you're gonna make, but knowing what you're gonna lose and assuming what you're willing to take. So, for example, you know I I do a lot of S and P's. Um, 500 futures, Um, that's really my expertise, Um, probably made money in those equity indexes probably more than anything else that I've ever traded, but what I'll do is we'll use sort of around the current price of 2770, Um, you know, I would enter a trade if I wanted to buy or sell at that price, putting a stop into the marketplace. Okay, and then having an idea what I'd like to make on that trade. And, you know, people always skew like risk reward, like, you know, if you're going to, you know, risk six, you should make six. A lot of my trading wasn't done that way. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of trades in a day, a couple of hundred trades a day, minimally. And, you know, a lot of times I would risk six to make one, make one and a half, make two. But I was I was quick you know, to get in and out. So I would enter, exit, enter, exit. But I always knew by utilizing the stop loss or the price that I knew I was getting out that my risk on the trade was defined and it, and it really, it created it created really a lot of upside for me because it built in the discipline and made it a business to me.
1: When you were just starting out, and if you could... And you could tell yourself something. What would you tell yourself back then? If you were your own mentor, you you saw yourself as a young trader and uh, you had some advice. What would you say?
0: Well, you know, the the trading floor, I'll start by this. Unfortunately, (laughs) the trading floor is a thing of the past. So trading is now electronic. You, You could look at it as the trading floor, but nothing will ever be like the trading floor the trading floor was the most unique environment Mm. that I've ever ever experienced you could be standing next to a PhD from Harvard standing next to someone who may not have graduated high school and the environment was amazing because it was it was ultra competitive but as you said mentors you know, friends, the bottom line is I had a lot of mentors or people I looked up to on the floor that were ultra disciplined, you know, strict money makers. Mm-hmm. you know, and I got a lot out of them, but no one was handing you free advice. It was kind of, you yeah. know, different. And it's sort of, I guess, maybe like the environment now, you're kind of on your own. And, you know, that's my thought, you know, you don't want to trade alone. So, you know, for me, you know, I, I, utilized everything that I saw but knowing guys were my friends but potentially the guy standing next to me who I may have dinner with was gonna make money off me if he could I mean that was just the environment so so to to preface you know the question you know there's no more floor but the floor was unique and it gave me an unbelievable discipline but what what I would tell people now is the most important thing, really is work. You know a lot of people say you know and they sell trading as a business that it's not work they're like, "Oh, come trade, you know you can make a ton of money it's not hard it It's work, and you know my advice to myself, looking back on it, because you know I struggled a little bit at the onset with some of these problems, was I wanted to be a master of everything so you know if people were trading IBM I wanted to be in IBM and if they were trading uh, you know Teledyne or other stocks, I wanted to be in that you know and I was trading s and p s and my my advice to myself looking back on it and I think I would have been much more successful earlier is is basically to to become a expert in what you're looking at okay so whether that be you know Bank stocks, or you know, or 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 seeing correlations that you know you can understand and 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 have the advantage over over someone that's sort of not the expert in the space. So, you know, I, I would tell myself to you know really concentrate in a much more you know confined universe of equities and indices and commodities. All
1: right. I have to agree with you there, also too. It was uh, you mentioning the the floor being unique. It was uh, my first time on the trading floor. It was like, wow, what is going on? And. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's the
0: great, it's the greatest thing you'll ever see. Except no one will, none of my kids will ever see it. So no,
1: you know, and and uh, you know, I tell you, just being a broadcaster, a lot of the electronic traders, a lot of the traders, they want to hear those stories. They want to know what it was like. They want to, you know, tell us about this and this time when the market was doing this and what happened and how did people react and and uh, you know, I, you know, at the time it was like, oh, this is a job. You get on the train, you're like, oh my god, another day. I got to get up again, go back into the pit uh we got uh the feds coming out here to oh my god the stress you know i'll be pacing back and forth and and you know and as as years went on it's like wow you know we were there we we did that and you know it was a place of opportunity. Huge, and like you said, uh, huge competition. Huge, you know. Uh, guys would fight, they'd argue. Uh, yeah, I want to bust your face. I, you know, I want to break your legs. And then, like, half an hour later, they'd be like, Where do you want to go for lunch? You know, uh, I mean, can, can you agree with me on that?
0: Ah, oh, that is. Listen, <laughs> the, the stories are. <laughs> They're amazing. No one could, no one would believe them. Um,
1: I know exactly. It,
0: it was. It honestly, you know, I actually talked to one of my mentors the other day, and you know, he really instilled the utmost discipline in me when I was at Spear Leads, and you know, he wrote me back, you know, with like a sad face, and he's like, "Just memories," and I was like, "You know what? It is." But uh, yeah. you know, people, you know, people don't understand it because you know, they think like a heavy volatility day is a certain, you know, a certain amount. And what we've experienced by having all those experiences, um, you know, I wouldn't call it black swan type experience, although 87 was a black swan. Um, we've seen things that that people have never seen right, right. that are in the environment now, mm-hmm. movement that you can't even imagine. So I think in a way, It's good for us that we saw that. But, you know, again, the markets are much different. And because of the algos and computer trading are much more at this point efficient.
1: Oh, agreed. Agreed. Let's, you know, uh, when I was reading uh, Chapter 3 of the Market Wizards, um, talk about a 2%, 2%. One of your rules is that. If you are down two percent on the month, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, you'll clear all your positions out, start fresh. Now, how did that rule develop?
0: Well, basically, the you know it, I, my career sort of developed from running money for a firm, Spear Leeds, and it was dollar denominated. So you know they didn't segregate a box of capital. I I had money to trade, and if I made money on the money, it wasn't, you know, it it was just made on air. the The rule came into place in 2000 when I left Spear Leads, when Spear Leads was bought out by Goldman Sachs, and started Banyan Equity Management, which was my hedge fund, and I ran that from 2000 to 2012 with that mantra and basically what it did was it looked at allocated dollars and like what we talked about risk management and we felt as a team internally that that number would be a number that we needed to stop out our positions reset and and trade again and for the type of trading that I did I was like, a I would say I was a singles hitter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I would ground and pound every day. So, you know, the l was never, I mean, I shouldn't say never. We've had, you know, we've had very big days, but it was more like, okay, 50 basis points, 30 basis points, 20, 70, you know. So, you know, we felt by grinding the way we were that a 2% stopout would be. Efficient for us to, um, you know, to to stop us out of the position that we were wrong and that we would reassess. And it's important for people out there to understand that you may like a trade, and the trade may not be working, okay, but you might find a level that may be better for you to enter the trade so that you have the ability to stay in the trade a bit longer. And you don't have to be right that second if the trade's going to work for you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's sort of the way we looked at it. We didn't want one trade to define us or one position to define us. And as you know, because you've been in it a long time as well, the market's bigger, badder, and meaner than all of us. So whatever you think you may (laughs) know, when you get to a number that you instill in your risk discipline – you got to stop yourself out because the market knows more than you and can humbleize anybody. It's just, you know, it's just what it is. And, and we, we were able to, you know, hold into some positions. And when we got stopped out, we could still express our view, but it would be a day or two later. And then the key to the whole 2% mantra was if we did lose 2%, we would, basically go to cash and then we come back and we grind a very small what i call p put a profit on the page the next day or two days later and then all of a sudden that that bad trade or that bad day goes away like we discussed earlier and then you're back with a positive mindset and tr- listen trading is i don't know it's it's 100% discipline but it you know it's it's mental you know when you take that 100% away it's 99% so mental, mental around that right. so you know it's uh it's it's discipline and it's mental and and you know the you know one of one of the best traders that that I know in in, in the world has told me you know you you got to be patient. Let the trade come to you. You don't have to trade every, every day, every minute of every day. Let, let the pitch come to you like a big softball going five miles an hour. You can hit it out of the park. So, you know, basically I, I would say that, you know, you just want to be, you want to be disciplined.
1: Right. Hey, success. You mentioned, Um, the smaller trades, the base hits. Uh, You know, fill the bases up, you get another base hit, it's going to score a run. Get another base hit, it's going to score a run. Uh, A lot of traders now in electronic, they they try to swing for the fence. And I think they learn very quickly that the odds are against you. You know, uh, you're going to be swinging for the fence, you're going to be grabbing some bench. Um, You know, go for the small hit, go for the base hit, uh, because those add up. And if you, you, if you've got the discipline and you've got the patience, you could manage yourself, you're going to see success a hell of a lot sooner than swinging for the fence and, uh, agree with you. On well, that. I, w-
0: I would just add one thing to it that sure. I think is important for, you know, all the traders out there to understand and really what gave us the ability to be very, very successful, um, is we, we hit a lot of base hits, okay, and then all of a sudden you hit, like you said, five, six singles, a double here and there. You're scoring runs, but what it gives you is then if you're up, you know, let's use whatever the number is, you know, you're, you're up, you know, 30% on your money, 20% on your money. You then can take 10% and and even take a shot if you felt really convicted because you're never going into the hole on on your own money and that's how we were able to be extremely extremely successful so you know if if we were up really good in a month we would be able to you know hold things a little bit more watch the landscape and really capitalize in a better way so by hitting those singles it gives you the opportunity to maybe go for a double but you right. never go for it you never go for a double or a triple until you got you know you got runs in you know in and guys in the dugout <laughs> you know yeah. the bottom line is you know you you it's all risk management right. so really the 2% rule was risk management for me to worry about my downside but really the the the, the rule was implemented so that i could also take advantage of the upside because when i got away from that two percent you know i i was able to do a little bit more you know when i was making money sure so 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 really it's it's you know listen when you are doing well you want to be bigger and when you're not doing well you want to be small when you're not when you're not doing well you want to take a day or two off or wait for the big you know slow pitch that you think is good and 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 it sounds simple and it really is but you know it's very hard for people to stick to
1: right you've got you've got to do it over and over and you know once bit twice shy you know to tr- try to program yourself manage yourself Larry let me ask you about uh, the importance of personality now we're all different you know you, being in the pit gosh I met a bunch of clowns, you know. And like you said, you, you might be standing next to somebody from Harvard, and you know, n- 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 five minutes later, you're elbowing and pushing them out of the pit, ready to punch them in. The- I mean, there was just so many different people that were there. Let me ask you something: as far as matching a style with personality, how do you know uh, when you have a market that matches your trading style? Does it just click, or is it? How does it? How does it work?
0: Well, you know, I think the personality, you know, we'll we'll take it in two different – we'll take this question I I would like in two different steps, okay? Sure. The first step is the old step of what was, um, you know, the marketplace where we talk about the floor and, you know, the different kind of uh, people. So I would say on the floor, if you said to me, hey, Larry, you know, what do you want to hire? I would want to hire somebody that was a very good athlete, ultra aggressive, okay, but in a way was disciplined or a little, a little bit in their personality, timid. That would be, you know, someone that I think would would work well. Um, it didn't always work well, but what was interesting is the quantitative guys at that point in time which now they pretty much control the market they didn't really do well on the floor because it was open outcry it was very very difficult to get things done and you had to be ultra ultra aggressive and on top of everything to get orders done so you know when we talk about style and and you know matching personality i think that that would be you know, something that we would have looked for on the, on the floor or, you know, back in the business, you know, prior to the last 10 years, let's say. Okay. Now, you know, I, I think it's a little bit more difficult to, to denote what, you know, the personality and the style, because I think you can adapt better your personality and style to the marketplace. The marketplace is more adaptable here. You, you actually, I think, stand a better shot of doing well, you know, regardless of your personality, you'll be able to morph it easier in the environment we're in because some of the characteristics and traits of what went on back then, you either had it or you didn't, you know, you either were able to get the trade or you couldn't. So now I think that that's, you know, in the point and click environment with, you know, basically, you know, all, you know, machine trading, it makes it, you know, it makes it easier to adapt to a style. And, you know, I think there are styles that, you know, can do well in this environment. You know, I, you know, a lot of markets are very trendy, you know, some markets, you know, you can, you know, you sort of have to read, you know, read the tea leaves, but, Right. you know, I think that the style and personality is more adaptable at this point.
1: All right. Let, let, Larry, let me ask you, uh, one of the things that you said in the book uh, that you think a lot of new traders struggle, uh, they have the gambler's mentality. Um, you know, I, I sort of call it gamification, um, you know, the click, 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 um, the flipping of the coin, the rolling of the dice. Um, what's your take on that?
0: Well, it's a little bit about what I discussed just a second ago. It's now you're sitting at a desk. You're I would say in a way you're bored, you know, so rather than watching Netflix or whatever when nothing's going on or just, you know, sitting on your hands, people are clicking away, they're making trades. It's very simplistic to to click in and trade. So, you know, the gambler mentality is easily attained by the fact that once you start not doing well, you're clicking more, you're in front of it more, it's, it's more enticing, you see more things. Back in, in the day, you know, to make a trade, even when I was off the floor, when I left the floor, which was in 1996, seven, um, we, we were able to trade, but the only way was over the phone, Mm-hmm. Through a phone clerk, right. Yelling and screaming to get the order yelling done. Yelling and screaming. So, yes. So, so that order might have taken, you know, which in this time would be a lot—twenty-five seconds. Now you're inside of a second. So I think I, I think that you know it creates more of that mentality. But when I when I talk about the gambler mentality, it's sort of like get rich quick or, you know, try to make a lot of money on one trade. And I, I saw more of that, you know, later on in my career, you know, with the newer guys and, you know, now, especially you know, with the millennials and, you know, with the movement of Bitcoin and, you know, make money quick, you know, so, I, you know, I always shy away from that. And and the one thing I'll say in this business is if you treat it like a business, and you do the work, you could have a career in this that lasts a really long time, and you could make a lot of money, okay? And a lot of money is all relative. That lot of money always is ever-changing. So a lot of money, you know, could be X in one year, and then that money, when you look back in five years, is not a lot of money. So, you know, you try to grow a career, and that's what I always looked at, is growing the career, you know, and, and learning. And, and that's the one thing I think in a way, you know, is, is missing. I don't, I don't manage as many traders now today as I have in the past. But, you know, I've managed hundreds and hundreds of traders and seen pretty much every personality you could see and every story and excuse under the sun. But now I, I just think that people want the, want the money really. The younger generation wants the money really fast. And it's work.
1: It is. It is work, and and I think once they realize how much work it is, they're they're going to take a few steps back and say, "Okay, I need to prepare myself for this. This isn't as easy as I thought it was." Now, one of the things here, talking about management, you know, we we mentioned management earlier before coming into a a game like this. Uh, Yeah, we mentioned uh, here in the broadcast few years back about how uh, professional poker players have that mentality you know it makes a lot of difference and it is different than uh, just being a gambler and like i mentioned rolling the dice flipping the coin Uh, you've got to be very strategic and you've got to really think things out but you know in the in, on the trading floor gosh you, you couldn 't think uh, you, you wouldn't have seconds to think um, you know sometimes when we'd hit a fast market uh you know when I was clerking you know my my broker would turn around and say "How many do I need to buy <laughs> i 'd throw him a number two hundred and fifty eight you know and, and, and then you 'd start adding it up, oh gosh, I hope this adds up to at least two sixty you, know? uh, you know and and, and things things iron themselves out. And I mean, you got to do your homework. You can't half ass this. You can't shortcut it. Uh, it's very important. Like you said, you know, uh, it's a business. This is your storefront. This is your beef stand. This is your clothing store. This is your beauty shop. You have to be the best boss that you possibly can be. And, you know, sometimes you got to shut yourself down and say, no, you know what? No, it's not going to happen. It's too big of a risk. And, uh, you know, just listening to what you're saying is you know, everything is just sort of fitting in and saying, oh, now I know why Larry is where Larry is, because he went through all this. And, and it's much appreciated that you're sharing that with us today.
0: Oh, No problem.
1: Now, I know you're an active trader. All right, um, Walk us through your day, your process a little bit, if you could. Now, me, I mean, I wake up, I have a tall glass of Tang and a Pop-Tart. What's
0: your what's, what's your
1: process, Larry? Uh, uh,
0: <laughs> A little bit more sleep these days than back in the day, back but uh, not, you know, the interesting thing about the market is, you know, it's now global 24-7, um, you know, depending on what you trade. If you're trading just equities, obviously, you know, um, you can't really trade at night, but the stuff that I do you know goes 24 hours but you know my day would work Some as long as I don't get a call in the middle of the night that something really moved big um you know for someone that's working with me you know I'll sleep through the night and I get up in the morning try to get in at about 7 a.m. but now with everything going on you can trade from your home on your phone so I'm always in in front of it you know pick up breakfast come in um you know now with what we're doing, we're putting out a overnight report. So uh, I would read the overnight report, or basically know everything that's going on overnight, whether it be in you know Asia time zone, Europe, um, and then I would assess the landscape of everything going on. And I'm very very macro. So okay. you know I'm looking at everything. Again, you know S and P's is really my forte, but you know I trade oil, I trade. Bonds. I'll trade currencies. I'll you know I'll pretty much trade the gamut of everything um, you know a lot of Europe and and Asia. So you know I'll assess the landscape and then what I like to do is I like to do a lot of mean reversion and that's ever changing. But I'll do markets against other markets. So you know I'll trade the DAX against uh, the S and P or you know I'll trade S and P's against S and P options and you know always looking to hedge but trying to get a little bit of edge off of of what's going on but you know I I would I would look at research in the morning and we do and then you know I have about four or five people that I speak with during and before the opening and and all of that that I would call you know I would still call them my mentors but people that I've known in the business for 25 plus years. And, you know, we talk maybe a little bit about the market and then I assess my game plan. But what's interesting about the game plan is the game plan is ever changing. It's changing Mm -hmm. minute to minute, second to second, you know, looking at, you know, correlations. You know, what's been really interesting and a little bit more difficult than what it used to be in the past is a lot of these computer algos are now using, they're using, um, things that everyone cues off of as like what I call, you know, false positives and whatnot. So, you know, like on a day like today, for example, you know, the market finished down about 200 and, and the S and P was down about 20 and dollar yen, which you would think would not trade, you know, strong for the, for the, uh, for the yen is, you know, it, it's going the reverse of, of the trade. So, you know a lot of that's been interesting but you know we'll look at those uh correlations um we'll look at you know all of the other markets and again that's how we start our day but as soon as our day starts it changes immediately right. and i would suggest that all traders whether it be in equities or futures you know do that you come in with the game plan you try to assess the game plan you know, as soon as that game plan's not working or it doesn't look right, you got to make the changes to, uh, you know, to make it right.
1: Make it right. Exactly. Yeah. Preparation. Get yourself ready. Have a basic uh, a basic plan. Uh, and then it, as you're working to it, you know, get up early and, and, and do as, you know, Larry is saying is check out what's going on, how the market's moving, um, possibilities, opportunities, and uh, and then move on from there. Like, um one of the things I used to get a kick out of, Larry, was when I was in the pit, and it the bell would just be about maybe 30 seconds before we start the day, and you'd get those guys that would jump in the pit uh, smelling like, like bourbon and high karate. Uh, they had no idea what the open was, what the call was. Um, they were just there, and they'd always be jumping in the pit saying, What's here? What's here? And you'd have to sort of cover and say, okay, this is what's going on. Yes, we're doing our homework. We're getting ourselves ready. And uh, you're just sort of rolling out of your trunk. So um, uh, that was part of it. And uh, those guys really weren't too successful. No. Let's talk about your new site that you're launching here shortly. Uh, It seems like uh, what you plan to do with opportunistic traders is uh, sharing your knowledge, leveling the playing field, and... uh, for those active in the markets to get the insight from a team of successful and experienced traders. Uh, If you can walk our listeners through this a bit, this sounds very exciting.
0: Oh, thanks a lot. Well, basically I came up with this idea about four or five years ago, and I would have been really, really early in, in the landscape of what's going on out there as far as education advice and trying to help out, you know, Brand new traders up to very experienced traders, but I didn't start it. And about a year and a half ago, or about a year ago, um, I I got more serious about doing this. And I was I've been scouring the landscape, seeing the products that are being offered out there, and there are a lot of them. And I thought that I had a value add proposition or our team has a value-add proposition that makes sense and can really help people make money, not get rich quick, but grind it out strategy exactly the way I do it every day that I'm still doing it today. And I went to a couple of, of my close friends. Uh, one or two are very, very well-known traders in the industry, have written books, You know, have been on multiple news channels, and people know who they are. They'll be on the site as well, providing expertise in in their specific area. So, you know, I I, I started this um, to give people access to my trading, all the trades that I do on a daily basis, when I buy, when I sell, when our other experts buy and sell that are active as myself. And I think, you know, it'll give people the ability to learn, watch us trade, trade with us, and and make money. And the key is, you know, they're going to see everything we do. Around that, I'm going to have about 15 experts that do things from, you know, the most basic, you know, fundamental and technical analysis to – you know, long-term fundamental, you know, analysis and technical analysis, experts in this space. So we're gonna have about 15 to 20 people on the site contributing on a daily basis. But, you know, when you talked about before, walk me through your day, this product will give you basically the full day of what we will do as a team at the opportunistic trader and that would be being really quick on the news we have somebody that's probably one of the fastest news experts in the business meaning you know if there's breaking news we're gonna we're gonna hit the site with the news we're gonna give you actionable potential trade ideas and we're we're going to you know walk you through the trading and educate you and what I've seen in a lot of the other sites is people that are saying take fifteen thousand dollars and turn it into 1.5 million you know and and trade outside by your pool and it's not a job and you know when I see this stuff it it sorta really makes me believe that we have a niche in the marketplace and you know my my true you know my true passion at this point along with trading would be helping people you know have the ability to learn Learn markets, learn from, you know, guys that are in Market Wizards and, you know, in other books and have written books and, you know, and give them the full product. And, you know, we're going to have a, a life coach on there that you can talk to once a week, you know, which I think is important to, you know, traders and people that have positions in the marketplace. And we're going to provide a full product for what I think is not a lot on a monthly basis. It's probably pays for itself in one trade. And, and um, you know, I'm very excited about the launch.
1: I'm excited about it, too, to be honest with you. It sounds fantastic. Um, Larry, someone just getting started in the markets right now, electronic trading, what would be one thing, one best piece of advice to tell this person?
0: I, I would say... The best piece of advice that I would give is is you want to learn you want to learn you want to study you want to you want to work hard you you have to stay disciplined through the process educate yourself and basically make the risk controls that you're going to have enforceable on yourself because the hardest thing in trading especially when you're trading alone, as many, many, many people do, is there's nobody tapping you on the shoulder like when I worked at Spear Leads. One of the greatest experiences I had at Spear Leads was you weren't, any trader that you come across that traded at Spear Leads at any point in their career and they lasted three to five years, were money makers because you weren't allowed to lose. They would not have you there. You would be Hmm. fired. And what I would say is, you know, having the risk control is the hardest thing on yourself. So I would say, you know, obviously all of the advice, the discipline, all, all of that is important, but the risk control, because most people are trading alone. And when you're trading alone, you don't have anyone telling you, hey, listen, Larry, you gotta get out of this position. It's just not working, you know, or do this. You're alone, you don't really have to answer to anybody. So I would say the risk control portion would be a, a very good advice for people. You have to follow it. You have to stick to it. And it has to be, you know, like religion to you. You can't you can't violate that.
1: All right, I like the way you put that. That, <laughs> that uh, sort of sets that in um, in ink. Um, Larry, yes. let me let me ask you, what was your scariest trade you ever made?
0: <laughs> I love that question. <laughs> um, <laughs> you want I'm going to give you I'm going to give you two answers. OK, sure. The first answer is the scariest trade I ever made was the first trade I ever made, okay, Okay. Mm -hmm. because we were in a pit of guys. There were 300 people. You first had to get enough nerve to yell out loud, okay, which, you know, is something that most people don't know how to do, okay, or, you know, aren't used to. So on my first trade, I was trading in in this product and it, it I'm sitting in the back of the product and I and I couldn't get near the front. And just to open my mouth to make the trade was was scary. And you know, getting the trade done was very, very difficult. So, you know, that you know, doing your first trade is is scary. But the one trade as far as a sizable trade that I did that was scary. Um, To me was in 1980, I think it was 1990, I was working at Spear Leads and I was a specialist in the major market index, which was an index of uh, top stocks in the Dow basically um, that moved. It was the first index they ever did program trading on in the 80s and a broker came into the pit from Morgan Stanley. And I was probably at the time in my late 20s and, you know, I was doing good in my career and everything was moving and, you know, I felt confident, but a broker came in and he said, where can I buy 2,000 of these calls? And they, you know, it was a very big notional trade, especially for me at that time. And I literally looked at him. and I'm like, I can't sell those to you. It's just too big. And the the guy who ran the index uh, was a guy named Ron Shear, who was you know the senior managing partner there, and he turned to me and he said, "Hey kid, he goes, just sell them." I said, "Ron, we can't sell those. <laughs> We're never gonna get it, you know, because our hedge was doing S and P futures or right. they called the something called the missiles, which." no one really trades but you know that was another hedge and i'm like ronnie we there's no way we can hedge this this is just too big he's like just sell them so i turned and i sold them (laughs) so that was a big big, scary trade and then we went and we had to buy futures against selling these calls Mm -hmm. and everything was done on a headset through chicago we were in new york at the time and uh you know that's where the pit was And we ended up buying so many futures. When we net, net, netted out the trade, I think we were plus or minus very little money. But that trade, you know, sticks in my mind because when you were the specialist on the floor like I was, like now when I'm trading, I decide when I want to buy and sell. So if I like the market and I want to be long, I buy. If I think the market's going to go down, I sell. It's a very simple thing. But when you're the specialist, you had to provide liquidity to the to the big firms and you know to big individual traders and a lot of the times or most of the times those trades were done the opposite of what you may have thought so really it was kinda counterintuitive we were just looking to you know do volume get trades on and hedge but that trade in particular has always you know stuck in my head just because Ronnie was so cool and and so calm and I was sweating like the, like we were going to go out of business, and and uh, it ended up working out okay, like most things have. But it was uh, definitely my most memorable scary trade that I did.
1: I appreciate you sharing that. And, you know, I tell you that uh, deer in headlights, that sweating, that we're going out of business. I mean that that feeling is just about every day I remember on the trading floor. You know, at one point.
0: Well, yeah, well, I'll I'll interrupt you. What's What's interesting is I remember and this was going back to like 1985 or 86 and the OEX used to expire on the cash close and and the cash would move a lot during during the last minute and a half of trading mm-hmm. and i i remember they had one kind of program and the market like ripped up and literally it was like the first time i ever saw like in the business, like grown men, like literally with their hands in their face, I would say crying because they lost so much money in a matter of one minute that, you know, it, it was mind blowing. So, you know, as you know, cause you've been on the floor, I mean the amount of risk and exposure and speculation oh, yeah. was massive, it but huge, you know, but uh, you know you live and you learn that, you know, again, you don't have to do that. You can just grind every day, make a really good living, and 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 as you're making the living, you can learn.
1: You got it. Education. Learn from it. Learn from your mistakes. It's the only way you're going to get and uh, get up on your feet and stand your feet. Uh, Larry, I just want to say it's been an honor, an honest honor, uh, talking to you. Um, You know, talking about uh, the days in the pit, laughing, talking about education, talking about uh, the teachings and and, um, what you went through. And a lot of us uh, can relate to that or at least say, you know what, I'm glad I heard it from Larry first and I'll watch for that. If that uh, if that sort of sneaks up on me, I know what I probably need to do. So uh, experience. Appreciate that. Now, Larry, uh, before we say goodbye, um, where can people find you online?
0: We are going to be launching August 1st with our site to the public at theopportunistictrader.com. And uh, you can find me there every day along with our 15 to 20 experts. Um, I'm not going to give away any names um Right now, but mm. uh, you'll recognize who is on the site with us. Um, one, well, I'll give you one is uh, Mark Fisher, who has uh, written multiple books, and they call him the King of Oil. He'll he'll be uh, on our site multiple times a week, and um, and along with others. So uh, I look forward to uh, helping people trade, uh, giving advice and and education. Uh, going forward, and and I'm hoping that uh, people could make money with our site.
1: All right. Larry, you're good people, that's for sure. That's for sure. Well, Thank you. We'll be back in touch, and please keep in touch. I'd like to talk to you again down the road. Uh, Larry Benedict, have a great day. Appreciate it, sir.
0: All right. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it.
1: And we're back Hogue. I love how Larry mentioned his track record uh, first day he made $1,000 and uh, that being his defining moment. So many times nowadays traders get desensitized to a $1,000 move. Now, Hogue, uh, why is that?
2: Well, I, I love the fact that with a track record like Larry's, that, that long a career and that much success, the defining moment was a day of $1,000. And I think that really kind of puts it in perspective. A thousand dollars is a lot of money, and I think people coming into trading, people coming into futures, they're all already thinking much bigger than that, uh, but they don't realize how difficult it is to make that that first thousand dollars in in one day.
1: Yeah, and I'll be honest with you, that is the uh, that's a huge mountain to climb when you are when you are programmed to think the Hollywood. You know, you see a lot of the movies and stuff where, you know, people are making money hand over fist, and uh, you think you of getting the business and do that, but it's it's such a big mountain to climb.
2: Yeah, it is, and, you know, we all have seen Wall Street. We've all seen, you know, Wolf, Wolf of, of Wall a, Street and Wolf of Wall Street places. trading places, and... And you know, most of us have probably met somebody who's maybe had some some big success in in trading, and we, you know, everybody thinks, "Well, why can't I do that?"
1: It's easy. I can and do
2: it. Basic Basically, yeah. he can do it. I can do it, and it it may be true, but there's a lot to learn before you get to that level. People yeah. ask me, "How do you make a thousand dollars a day trading futures?" Start by making a hundred dollars.
1: There you go. First steps are first. Uh, you know what? Uh, if you haven't check out the movie Rogue Trader. And you'll see how easy it is to lose money.
2: Just as easy, if not easier, than to than to make it. Right, right, right.
1: right. Uh, now, Hogue, in that interview, I tell you, it was so cool having a front row seat and uh, talking with Larry one-on-one. Um, but some of the things I found interesting was, uh, you know, what is the makeup of a trader that can make money? And he comes back with discipline letting you know what discipline and and it's so boring day in and day out discipline patience management i mean but the thing is they are so important it's like if you were to make a make a cake and not use flour you know um how are you going to make kool-aid without water i mean there is a lot of basics that we need to follow we need to bring with us each and every day
2: yeah you're right i mean it's it's not the fun part of trading of course but yeah the, the the discipline is not really the exciting part of trading no, it's not, not the all. the rules the discipline everybody's into in, in for the for the fun and the action of it sure. but really when it comes down to it you know having those basic rules that you do follow no matter what that's the discipline even if it's as simple as i am not going to be trading um after three consecutive losses if that's a discipline that you have shown to help your performance that's something you have to stick to and it's not necessarily fun or sexy but it is totally necessary
1: right you know that's what larry said he struggled and uh, he did mention how the trade that you're making will not be the last trade you are making which makes a lot of sense if you think about it, it doesn't sound right but it makes sense so don't let it define you you know just use it to your advantage.
2: and I, I loved that part. I loved when, when he said that because people do, uh, they put a lot of weight on their trading. It's very important to a lot of people, and I think it's just something to keep in the back of your mind or even the front of your mind or on a sticky note, this is not the last trade I'll be taking.
1: Right. You know, let's go back to a lot of our podcasts that we did. We've got a, uh, a good number of podcasts with some very important people, some very educated traders, but... Uh doing this interview with Larry, you know, I, I saw a very defined level of what works, what doesn't. Uh, Larry was a trader that took a very hot seat in the trading world. Um, the stress level was extreme. I'm not saying it was high. It was, I'm going above high. I'm going above. It was extreme. And uh, he dealt with it and he contained it and he became successful with it. Now, uh, another thing. I found uh, interesting in that was his skewed risk to reward ratio. That's where he risks six to make two. Now, wait a minute, Hogue. Uh, You being the coach, you'd be like, no, wait a minute. Hold on a second. That's not a good formula. Uh, But even still, he he used stops that made him realize that trading is a business. Now, uh, what would you say to somebody that says, yeah, my risk to reward
2: ratio is I risk six to make two? Well, it would be hard for me to say anything bad about it for him. It worked for him right in the time that he was doing it it worked for him from you know from my seat the people i talk to it's it's a tough road to go he made it work if you can make it work great it's not necessarily the way i choose to operate
1: right you're putting your head on the block and each and every day taking your head off the block still connected to your neck so it's a it's it's a big risk but uh like like you said, John. Um, you know, it worked for him.
2: Absolutely, and you find what works, and you rinse and repeat.
1: Right. It, with Larry too. I mean, we mentioned about how every trader is different. Uh, we all look at different things. If we were all given one chart, one platform, twenty of us would have twenty different views on. Where to get in, where to get out. Should I buy, should I sell? Which way the market's moving, north or south, west or east? It's all different. I think Larry uh, explained that very
2: well. And even if we had, even if we were, all 20 of us were given the same strategy, we'd all operated just a little bit differently. Sure,
1: sure, sure. Uh, One of the other things Larry was talking about, uh, the most important thing work, 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 work. Uh, Become an expert in what you're looking at. Uh, was, uh, now, he looked at the s and and p Futures.
2: And he became an expert.
1: Oh, you probably talk to a lot of people, and you ask them, you know, what do you trade? And all of a sudden, they list off, uh, you know, three, four, five, six, i seven, eight. I, I've come across some traders like that, too, that are new in the business. And the thing is, uh, you need to focus on markets that will work with you. You need to focus on markets
2: that your trading style works with yeah the market that speaks to you the most focus on that become a master in that if you can become a master in that then maybe you know expand your horizons but sure. it does take a lot of work to really uh, feel as though you have a, a good grip on what you're doing but don't ever say that don't ever say i got this because right. you lose your humility and you're done all right
1: before we call it a day here Hogue. One last thing that Larry said, and I want to make sure if you're listening and you've got yourself a pencil or a pen, write this one down. This is very important, all right? Where Larry focused the most was growing his career and learning his career, all right? Now, that's what's important. Larry said, it's not making money.
2: And it's something that uh, a great trader told me as I was coming into the pit. I asked him, you know, how did you make this much money? And he said, that's the wrong question. Many of you have probably heard me say this before, but when I asked him what the right question was, he said, the right question is how did you become a good trader? My focus was on uh, on growing as a trader and, you know, keeping on – making good trading decisions and sticking to the discipline once i became a good trader making good consistent trading decisions and sticking to my discipline the money came and i considered a byproduct of being a good consistent disciplined trader
1: there you go do the work and the money will follow absolutely all right hogue thanks so much for joining me today and, all right, traders, as always, thank you for spending time with us. As I mentioned, we have a great lineup of guests here this month, so make sure you are subscribed on iTunes, Android, and whatever podcast software you see. John, a.k.a. Hoag, Hoagland, I'll be talking to you soon
2: again. Absolutely, Eddie. It's been a pleasure. Trade well, everybody.
1: See you all next week. Take care. Bye-bye.